0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched
1: their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan.
0: For the last time this year, Joseph.
1: That's right. Coming up on today's show, it's Goodbye 2018, Hello 2019, and the 2019 PCA. It's our PCA preview show, which means it's also our PSPC preview show. We spent a year handing out platinum passes for your asses, and now (laughs) it is time to get pumped. There is a special announcement today about a special event we've got planned for people watching the PSPC stream. And there's another special announcement regarding some, some, uh, some stars fun. Some stars fun at Atlantis. I, I think that's what we're going to call
0: it. I don't think we officially do hashtag stars fun anymore, but it is <laughs> It is fun, and it's happening at a PokéStars event. So, to quote your I'm good bringing self, it back. I will allow it.
1: Yes, James is going to allow it. Uh, it is the end of the year, and so work has been slowing down. Uh, for speak for
0: yourself.
1: Yeah, well, you know, unemployment's been rough on me during the month oh. of December, so I have been able to watch... A lot of movies and TV shows. Uh, A couple of things I fell in love with this week. James, you got anything?
0: Uh, What I do have is a memo from head office, which you probably need to get to sooner rather than later. But carry on. Carry on.
1: Okay. Uh, I've been binging a lot of shows. And my roommate, you know what she's been binging? Scandal. And you know who's in Scandal? Josh Molina. And you know who's on this show today? Josh Molina, creator of Celebrity Poker Showdown. James, you love his character on the West Wing. You yes. excited?
0: I am excited. I, I'm really pleased that you managed to make this happen. I love the fact that we've got someone who's in one of my favorite TV shows of all time and has a major connection to the game of poker and the televised poker industry.
1: Yes, and uh, I don't. I, do you follow him on Twitter? I don't know. He he's like pretty sharp on Twitter. Is like even occasionally like kind of mean. So I'm a little intimidated. <laughs> Uh, he does this thing where uh, no matter how someone spells President Bartlett, he'll correct them.
0: Oh, genius. And
1: Yeah, it's hilarious, but it is a little scary. So I'm wondering, will you freeze up?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, bear in mind, I used to be a showbiz hack for my sins. And back in the day, I used to do like the junket circuit. So I've interviewed many big names, Joe, including the entire X-Men cast, which is one of the highlights of oh. my showbiz career. Um, the only time I've ever fucked up a celebrity interview was when I interviewed Kylie Minogue. Uh, back around the time of spinning around, and can't get you out of my head because Kylie was my teenage crush, and I don't think I ever got over that. And let's be honest, she was still hot all those years later, and so I still was, now. Yeah, and so I was sitting there, kind of like eh, eh, like a giddy schoolboy.
1: I can uh, I can relate to that. There was one time I walked past Cheryl Crow backstage at an event, and she smiled at me, just a polite smile, <laughs> and uh, my knees buckled. I almost fell over. I wonder where that was
0: going. Uh, I wonder what the reaction was actually going to be. That's fine. That's the clean, sanitised version.
1: Yes. No. I was a much More innocent boy back then. Uh, So for Josh, uh, because of that reason, I've got a less dumb game than usual for him. Uh, I try to like to impress the uh, I like to try to impress the actual celebrities who come on the show. Hopefully I won't trip over my words like I just did there. Uh, And speaking of games, super fan Paul Cat. Meow. He's on to uh, challenge me to trivia on the movie taxi driver. Now,
0: first thing to say, Joe, is in honor... Oh, you're wearing
1: your taxi driver I'm wearing my taxi
0: that. driver shirt in honor of this week's segment. We Are The People is not the same as We Are The People. However, um, I have to attach a hefty caveat to any conversation about this because I have received this aforementioned memo from head oh. office. Now, it was my belief... That none of the top brass actually listen to this podcast because either one of two things would have happened. Oh, shit. <laughs> either we would have been getting weekly editorial interference or we would have been yeah. shut down after episode five. So I just figured no one listens, but it seems they do, and for the first time ever, we've received some constructive criticism. Now bear in mind that we are one hundred and forty episodes in and this is the first memo we've had uh, from the Isle of sick Man. To my stomach. <laughs> so please take it take it well. Um it's addressed to the Poke Them In The Ears production team. <laughs> Sorry, We take issue with the recent editorial direction of this core engagement strand. We understand that many of our customers are interested in popular culture. Therefore, we are prepared to accept a limited quantity of movie and television-related discussion on the Poker Stars podcast although we would much rather the hosts focus on promoting our unrivaled MTT schedule, fantastic range of games and formats, including Zoom and KO Poker, and our incredibly popular spin-and-goes with buy-ins from $0.25 to $500. However, we can no longer tolerate the sections of the show that pass as film reviews. The warning signs were there. In the past year, eyebrows were raised when the American one defended the atrocious Hollywood offering La La Land. We also became concerned when he professed an affection towards Attack of the Clones and tried to extol the virtues of the second Indiana Jones movie. In recent weeks, he has caused upset at the highest level of the company and shocked customers to the point where they may have stopped depositing, although we have no evidence to support this. In the Superfan vs. <laughs> Staples segment, we have been forced to listen to the trashing of timeless classics such as Singin in the Rain, Some Like It Hot and North by Northwest. This is blatantly unacceptable. Far from being a cineast, the American has proved himself to be nothing more than a fanboy of mid-1980s US comedies. As risible as it may sound, it seems his knowledge of poker may eclipse his knowledge of motion pictures. With immediate notice... All film-related conversation on the podcast is prohibited until this so-called funny man has a cultural epiphany and learns to appreciate the most important artistic milestones in the history of cinema. In the meantime, please don't forget to remind our customers that if they run hot in this year's winter series, they could bag their share of a massive $40 million in guarantees. Regards, PokerStar Senior Management. P.S. We remain saddened that we did not know of Nick Shulman's existence eight years ago.
1: Oh, my God. Wow. What a burn. Hey, look, it's better to be, uh, what, uh, noticed than not noticed, I guess. At least I'm on their radar, finally.
0: So tread carefully. Only say positive things about Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver, 1976.
1: Okay. Well, Scorsese is very hit or miss for me. And, God, I'm so scared to say this now. Mostly miss. Um, Taxi Driver, I'm going to give it a solid... B plus
0: okay, we'll take it.
1: We'll I'm going to give it, it a B plus. I liked it, obviously, you know, some of it's been ruined. Uh, by pop culture over the years kind of all the parodies of the you talking to me and this and that but this is
0: one of the problems with you coming to these movies so late with you seeing stuff like north by northwest where the crop duster scene has been parodied a million times with the mount rushmore scene's been parodied a million times cat taxi driver you know the music is now reused in all manner of things that scene has been spoofed so many times you know it's this is why you kind of need to see these films during your formative years
1: yeah, and uh, look, I, uh, this movie, like I said, I mostly liked it. I got it. It was pretty interesting. um I, the w- only thing I didn't I really hated about it was the score, really? And I know that, yeah, I really just saxophone just doesn't do it for you me. See, I, just I found think the it score annoying. Is an
0: absolute masterpiece. and. This is the connection between the last two movies you've watched. Bernard Herrmann, who, of course, did the score for many of Hitchcock's films, including Psycho, Vertigo and North by Northwest. And this was his last score. I believe that he died very shortly after finishing yeah. the score for Taxi Driver. And you saw it more recently than I did. I believe the film may be dedicated to him.
1: It is. Yes. Uh, after a, a few credits roll by, I think, and then a dedication to him. Or maybe it's the first thing right away. But, yeah, it, it is dedicated to him. Yeah, I don't for some reason I just I'm anti sax. I I I, pra- I practice abstinence when it comes to sex. It's just so evocative. It's just just suits the mood of the film perfectly. It does. It just felt kind of overused to me. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I'm splitting hairs. It's like the one thing that I just kind of felt annoying about the movie. The rest very watchable. Um, I I saw a movie this week that I think is the best movie I've seen all year, and I will not stop talking about it. I will go see to get in the into the theater. Spider Man into the Spider Verse is the best movie I've seen all year. The best, uh, it's very self-aware, so it's hard to call it the best comic book movie because you can't really have it without all the other comic book movies, but it is easily the best Spider-Man movie and maybe the best comic book movie of all time.
0: You're not the first person I've heard raving about this and I'm willing to give it a go. I am not a person who judges films from trailers, but if I were to judge this film from its trailer, I would say it looked fucking horrific. So I'm interested to hear that it's this good.
1: It is a 10 out of 10. It is a masterpiece. It is it is the new bar for animated movies. It was so frickin' good. I can't even describe how good it was.
0: Wow, wow. Uh, what else have you seen?
1: Uh, I saw Wreck-It Ralph, the sequel, which was very good also. Uh, not quite as good as the original, but uh, very funny. And I am absolutely obsessed, James, with this Amazon show called Patriot. Oh, my God. I kind of skipped over it because, like you, the description and the trailer didn't really grab me. It's about a uh, a spy, a U.S. spy, who uh, the way he struggles, uh, copes with what he has to do for a living is he uh, is a folk singer. Okay. And it sounded really lame to me. And I watched it, and it is just beautiful and sad and funny. And the, the lead actor is phenomenal. And I couldn't believe... How much just after the pilot, I was hooked to this show. I watched all 10 episodes this week. Uh, there's a second season out right now. Haven't started that yet.
0: Okay, I may, may need to ditch what I'm doing and switch to this because I started watching season three of Daredevil on Netflix and I have nearly fallen asleep several times during the first three episodes. Um, very little happens and the dialogue is horrible. The characterization in these shows is is a disaster and it's so sad to me because when these marvel shows started on netflix and i think particularly of the very first season of daredevil it it was it was great tv and i thought wow here they're going to build this universe complementing the cinematic universe on netflix and everything since has just got worse and worse i've abandoned so many of these shows i didn't think the same would be true of daredevil i thought i'd be able to stick it out even wilson fisk vincent d'onofrio being back in the show is not saving it
1: uh, do you think that we have changed or the show has
0: changed? I think the show has changed. I think the writing is so lazy and there is not enough story.
1: There is not enough
0: plot to sustain an entire season.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, that seems to be the way they like to do things there. Um, but
0: one thing I will say, and I promise no spoilers, Joe. I will stick yeah. to top line information, and this will only be relevant to people who know the game. I have completed chapter six. Okay. <laughs> of Red Dead Redemption Two, which is the last chapter before the epilogue, it's the ending of the main story. Um, I found it hard to get to sleep last night. It was such a big really? moment that it took me an hour to get to sleep because I was so affected by it. I think I can say with some certainty that this game may be one of the most outstanding artistic achievements of the last ten years.
1: I almost got a huge fight with my roommate because she was like walking by as I was finishing Spider Man, and I got a little choked up. I got a little choked up at the end of the Spider-Man game. And she's like, it's so stupid. Like, why would you ever like care about a video game? And I'm like, have you ever cared about a movie? And she's like, yeah. I was like, well, a game is more immersive than a movie. You're much more involved in what happens to the characters and invested in it. And she kind of like walked away in a huff. And I was like, kind of irritated with her. I started Red Dead uh, and it was interesting, but pretty slow in the beginning. And I haven't gone back to it. Uh, It is. You know, the. After the like shooting the wolves thing, I was like just and watching all the the infighting between their group. I, I'm just not particular. I'm sure I will get into it. Just at the moment, I'm not.
0: It takes a while. It, to be honest with you, I found the entire first chapter, the whole stuff where you're up in the mountains, pretty yeah. dull. And I was like, eh, I'm not sure I've got the patience to persevere with this. But thank God I did, because by the time you get to chapter two and the world opens up to you. Yeah. This lives up to the original game and surpasses it in terms of scope and in terms of quality. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, let's move on to the poker news headlines, shall we? What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Year's News. And we did mention that the Winter Series has $40 million in guarantees, courtesy of that memo from head office. Uh, December.
1: Are you listening, Isle of Man? Here comes your shilling.
0: December 23rd to January the 7th. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the regs, Joe, who tweeted at us, including yeah. Optimus Clang, Evil Roy, and Wayne Hemmings, to tell us that they won tickets in Monday night's free roll that we put on. Um, all I would say, guys, is do you like this format? Would you like more free rolls like this, which are kind of satellites, which give more people the chance to win something meaningful that gives them the opportunity to play something like the Winter Series, the Turbo Series, Scoop, WCoop, etc., etc.? So uh, hashtag poker in the ears uh, for your feedback on that. Um, two news headlines, Joe, both of which come from Prague, because the EPT is now finished in the Czech Republic. And we have a new EPT champion, Paul Michaelis from Germany, won the main event for €840,000 following a three-way deal. Plus, he ships the final, the last Platinum Pass to be awarded in
1: 2018. I got the golden ticket.
0: Uh, Tonka, by the way, was also at that final table. Pretty strong turnout in the Prague main event. 1,174 entrants. Uh, one other major result from the Prague festival, Henmark, uh, Denmark's rather Henrik Hecklen <laughs> took down the 10k high roller, outlasting a 259 strong field and beating Ola Shemian heads no up. Uh, Heklund no won way. just over 500,000 euros, which is his biggest live score to date.
1: I was really hoping that uh, that woman was going to win, who is chip leader after day two, who had the uh, her last name looks like a typo. Oh,
0: it's the te- Platinum Pass win, an athlete. Te-
1: yeah, like I, every time I see it, I just think someone <laughs> screwed up writing the.
0: Well, we are going to meet her in the Bahamas, Joe. I should highlight te- once Bahamas. again that sadly we were not in Prague, but in a couple of weeks' time, we will be heading... To Paradise Island. See
1: the sky open wide, catch the dream, the fire inside, standing tall until the end. I'll survive, I'm not falling down.
0: After 12 months of build up. The PokerStars Players No Limit Hold'em Championship is almost here, and we are getting ready for the biggest live stream in PokerStars history, 11 consecutive days of the PSPC, and Joe, I think some of them are going to be some long-ass days.
1: Some long-ass Platinum Pass days.
0: Um, Ironically, I think the most manageable part will probably be the PSPC, because the field probably won't be quite a thousand players it's playing with a 60 minute clock but what's going to be interesting for the first time in forever we are covering day one of an mtt we're covering all five days from the pspc so our coverage is going to start on the 6th of january and the pspc concludes on the 10th of january every hand every level from however many runners this event gets down to a winner
1: I think that this really does uh, deserve coverage of all five days with the amount of time we spent preparing for it, how attached we've gotten to some of these players. Spoiler alert, some of the players who won platinum passes are not going to make it out of day one. So I think it's great that we're covering from day one. I want to see some of these people. And I think that also this might be the most exciting bubble I will have ever covered. Uh, We've had some massive bubbles. You know, we've had some huge super high roller bubbles, which more on super high roller in a second, but this bubble is going to be so important for so many people, for the number of people that are free rolled in this thing. We're looking at like $30,000 cha-ching instantaneous. And then they're free rolling for that and beyond this bubble. I'm excited already about this. And you know me, I'm not disingenuous in my excitement. Like I don't, fake it. like This is something I'm really looking forward to.
0: So here's something I learned about this morning, Joe, and this is going to be happening on day one of the PSPC and it's great for all the qualifiers and it's great for everyone who is there early. One thing we know about poker tournaments is a lot of players like to late reg and registration in the PSPC will be open until the start of play on day two but to try and make sure that everyone is there from the beginning and is in their seats within the first 60 minutes at the start of level two so play starts at noon at 1 p.m on day one there's going to be a random draw to award an EPT package worth approximately $10,000, actually just uh, just over $9,000. Uh, I don't know how that draw is going to work, but ultimately you have to be in your seat at the start of the second level, an hour into play on day one, to be in contention for that EPT package.
1: That's. Uh, I'm glad that that's happening because I was gonna say one of the things I am uh, won't know how to cope with is that we're not giving away platinum passes anymore. Like, what if, what if we like, you know, I got used to doing it the last year, just having to hand out platinum passes. So at least there's something. At least there's still something to. To wet wh- or whistles with.
0: Exactly. So that's from the 6th to the 10th. Then we segue straight into PCA 29. We've got two days of coverage of the Super High Roller, the 100k buy-in event on the 11th and 12th. So that's the penultimate day playing down to the final table and then the final table on the 12th. And then it's all about the main event. The 13th to the 16th of January, the last four days. And one thing I'll say about this, fewer days, because most people will realize that our main events are six-day events, and we cover five out of those six days. The PCA is a five-day event. We're oh. covering four days, so we are picking up the action on day two as we normally do, but there will be packing in more levels into fewer days. So, so
1: that's what's accounting for what you say is going to be some long-ass days.
0: Yes. Got absolutely. it. Absolutely. Luckily, Joe, we are not... Alone, We are getting the band back together. I'm pleased to confirm that Lex Veldhouse, Griffin Bencher, and Maria Ho are all on board. It Excellent. It does come with a but. Last oh. year, we managed to persuade a team of professional poker players to sit out the PCA. To not play. And actually be part of our broadcast team. No one wants to sit out the PSPC, and no one wants to sit out the PCA main this year, because one's going to feed into the other. So... I think Lex is only going to play the PSPC, so we've got him after that, but Griffin and Maria are also going to play the PCA main. I don't want to anti-rail them. I want these guys to do well, but equally I kind of want them to be part of the on-air team, so...
1: eh. I'm not going to anti-rail them. In fact, I'm going to pro-rail them, but I am going to request that if they all make it to the final table, and we end up doing it without them, I want to get whatever they were going to get paid to do commentary.
0: Uh, You can talk to your agent about that one. Uh, We have got (laughs) Plenty of stuff for you guys to play as well. Free rolls every day, all 11 days, for players in the global shared liquidity market, what we call the dot-com platform, and also players in the France-Spain shared liquidity market as well. During the PCA coverage, we are going to have daily challenges linked to a free roll on the final day, which is going to be awarding $15,000 in Turbo Series tickets because that will be the big online series that will be kicking off in February. But during the PSPC, We have got just for you the mini PSPC. This is an idea Joe and I were were batting around a couple of weeks ago. I'm pleased to say that we are making this a reality and I'm really excited about this.
1: Did we figure it out? Because I know that we were, there were a lot of combinations and permutations of things. Has it been settled? It's been settled.
0: So let me tell you how it's going to work. So. We all know that the PSPC is a 25K buy-in. There is 8 million contributed to the prize pool and an extra million for the winner. So the mini PSPC does all that but for 1,000th of the price with 1,000th of the value. This will cost you $25 to play with 8,000 added to the prize pool and an extra 1,000 for the winner. And it will employ the same five-day format, the same starting stack, and the same structure as the PSPC itself. I love it! But with slightly shorter levels, actually considerably shorter levels, to ensure that you can play it in the evening in Central Europe or in the UK and still go to work the next day and come back to play day two. So it's going to be kicking off uh, at 3 p.m. our time in uh, in the Eastern time zone. So that's 9 p.m. Europe. And look out for this one in the lobby because I think this is going to be... A lot of fun. It's something for you to play while you're watching the stream. By the way, I didn't mention on-air times for the stream from the 6th yeah. to the 11th. Uh, sorry, from the 6th to the 16th. We're on air every day at 12.30 Eastern, apart from final table days when we're on air at one thirty Eastern. And remember, there's a five-hour difference with the UK and a six-hour difference with Europe. But yeah, the mini PSPC, I think there's going to be some opportunities on social media to win $25 tickets for this as well. So watch out for that one. Starting on the 6th, Uh, when we start our coverage from the Bahamas. Um, Which brings us on to the thing you wanted to talk about, Joe, your special event.
1: Yeah, there's a little hashtag stars fun, or maybe even more fun than stars fun. We are going to do a comedy night at the PCA this year. It's going down on January 8th, 10 p.m. The lineup is TBC at the moment, but I will say that we have locked in at least one really big name stand-up comic who is not me. But I will be performing, and a couple of, uh, couple of we'll call them my friends, will also be performing on this comedy night. I'll say this, when the idea was brought about, it was going to be that I was going to be the headliner, and everyone was into that idea. And then they went, but who's like a real headliner we could get? And we got one, and we may be getting more, so keep your eyes peeled to social media. I'll be announcing it. The official stars accounts, I'm sure, will be announcing it, but... January 8th, if you're at the PCA, you can come see Joe Stapleton and friends live in the Bahamas.
0: Well, there's some other stars fun that I'm looking forward to, particularly the welcome reception for all the Platinum Pass winners on the eve of the PSPC. And I also learned this week that there is going to be a video games area at Atlantis, and it looks like the overhyped Rocket League stream is going to happen, <laughs> and it's going to take place during the PSPC, possibly as a warm-up stream before we go live one day, and I've been told that we have no choice in the matter. It is a grudge match. It's Hartigan and Stapes versus Finton and Spraggy.
1: Well, we'll have to get a grudge first, so that it can be <laughs> a true grudge match, which shouldn't be hard. They're pretty chirpy, those two. Uh, fun times. I look forward to them destroying us, but James is a hilarious loser, so... I- I'm sorry, You're not a loser, but when you do lose, you're hilarious.
0: I'm a hilariously bad loser. I will agree with that.
1: Uh, So Great.
0: So we're going to be streaming every day at twitch.tv slash pokestars, youtube.com slash pokestars from the 6th to the 16th. We are also going to be making highlight shows from the PSPC, but right now we are not going to get into TV shows of the future. Right now we're going to talk about poker shows of the past, because we've got a very special guest on this week's Poker in the Years. I'm thrilled that we were able to make this happen. He is someone who you may know from numerous Aaron Sorkin TV shows and movies, probably most famously The West Wing. He was the co-creator of a big poker show in the early 2000s called Celebrity Poker Showdown. Please welcome to the podcast, Joshua Molina.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: I like the way the door was closed there to ensure radio silence throughout this interview.
2: <laughs> yeah, and if I, if I sound like I'm whispering uh, in order not to wake up my daughter at any point, just tell me so, and uh, I'll stop whispering in order not to wake up my daughter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that you are a dad and that you must spend time parenting your children, but you you do a good job on Twitter. Are, you, uh, <laughs> are they ever like, Dad, why are you correcting people how to spell President Bartlett? We're at a music recital. <laughs>
2: no they've they've aged out of uh, recitals and soccer games so they're older now and i think they wisely avoid my social media
1: they're largely (laughs) unaware of it okay that's good let's uh let's talk about celebrity poker showdown let's uh make the overlords happy and talk about poker for a minute Is Um, is this a
0: retrospective of uh poker tv shows of years gone by episode one celebrity poker showdown
1: Oh man, you should do a West Wing Weekly style podcast about Celebrity Poker Showdown and just break down all of those because you must you must have some great stories and there must be ones that you can't tell either, right? That is true.
2: Yeah, there's there's some no tells, but there are plenty of tells as well.
1: Give us a give us a tell because I think what were like what's one of like the most uh, stressful moments you had on the show that you can't tell. Uh.
2: Well, Dennis Rodman played in one uh, in one season
0: and That's all you need to in, say really, isn't it? Dennis Rodman was yeah. on the show.
2: Which I think yeah, I think it was largely stressful from the beginning. But no, he was nice enough until during the play he mucked a hand and it 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 touched the muck and therefore was a dead hand. And then I think the person who had gotten him to fold revealed her hand and it was clear he would have won and he said he he tried to grab it back from the muck, I guess as if he hadn't it just turned into a whole thing where we had to explain to him that the hand was over and he lost and he got up (laughs) and he walked off the set like, I'm not doing this (laughs) this is this BS, I'm not playing forget it and I had to sort of uh, chase after him and explain that we were after all playing for charity and making a (laughs) show. And uh, to his credit, he ultimately uh, saw my point, and that that there were rules. I said, hey, "You're it. You're an athlete. You probably understand the idea of rules. Well, here's one <laughs> <laughs> that applies to poker." Um, so that was uncomfortable, but at least he he came back and played. Um, other uncomfortable moments <laughs> included uh, we we were forced by Bravo to host a match among six. Um, I guess we had five players Five reality TV contestants Johnny Fair played from Survivor is the only one I remember Other than Omarosa from The Apprentice And Omarosa of all the celebrities we ever Hosted was the only Like truly rude Person She was In her hotel room We, we did this at the uh, Palms Casino in Vegas and it was time to actually shoot. We were in the studio waiting for her to arrive, and she would not leave her room because she was on the phone with her PR person, I guess having a very, very important conversation. And we had to send a, uh, I suppose I should have done it myself, but we just sent a production assistant to to go up there and explain to her that she was Amorosa, <laughs> And there was only there was only so long we were going to wait for her uh, and, and before grabbing just a random person on the street who would have just a slightly lower celebrity <laughs> Q level and go on without her. She eventually showed up and all was fine.
1: To be fair, Josh, of the two of you, she's the only one that's actually worked in the West Wing. Yeah, that's true. No, no, no. no. She's a bigger celebrity than I. I'll a genuine
0: White House <laughs> I mean, employee I rather than a pretend out. one. I never played on the show. Um, just to rewind the clock, I'm interested how the show came about, Josh, because it was around the time in the kind of early to mid-2000s when you were working on the West Wing. Um, where did the idea come from and how did it end up on Bravo? Uh,
2: that's a fine question. I played for many years in uh, Hank Azaria's home poker game. And, um, uh, it was a great game and a lot of fun and a lot of Hollywood types played in it. And we, uh, a friend, Andrew Hill Newman, a TV writing friend and I used to, uh, ponder whether that game would make a good TV show. If you could be a fly on the wall and, uh, watch celebrities play, um, poker of questionable quality but hopefully entertaining <laughs> content and uh we said yeah there must be a show in this and uh maybe we could uh do some good as well and uh, raise some money for charity and you're exactly right i was on the west wing at that point uh which was an nbc television show and nbc owned bravo and so that seemed like uh, i guess we went to nbc first and they thought it might be good for bravo we went and we pitched um the Bravo executives, our vision and to our delight, it was not a tough sell. They kind of I think it was uh, the celebrity of it all appealed to them. You know, they said, yeah, you know, if you can if you can book the people you claim to be able to book, uh, we'll give this a run. And uh, and poker was really starting to build among celebrities in the Hollywood. And uh, it was also roughly at the same time that the world poker tour was starting and so just kind of it was a perfect storm to, for the uh, series to get made and succeed.
0: I mean I remember watching the shows because they came over to the UK and bear in mind we had our own celebrity poker shows here which were shit mainly because the people on them no one knew who they were and it was really <laughs> awesome to watch a show where wow you've got some like really good names here and At what point, though, did you realize we've kind of run out of the big names who know how to play poker, and now we have to like rope in celebrities and like give them a five-minute lesson before we roll VT?
2: I think the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Ben Affleck agreed to play very early on, which immediately legitimized the show because he is, uh, of course, a giant star and a decent poker player, um, which was wonderful. And uh, there was a pretty deep bench of poker playing celebrities but it was such a logistical nightmare putting that show together and because we did shoot it out of town which i think was part of the secret sauce the fact that everybody was in vegas for a weekend and nobody had to drive home and maybe your kids weren't there and so people were drinking and having fun and knew they were going to be there for a few days but it also made it difficult to book because these were all people who work a lot, and so a job would come up, and this one would cancel, and so pretty quickly we had to start to reach out beyond the circle of um, celebrities with some poker experience, and some. You know, again, to their credit, a lot of people said, "Well, if you'll teach me how to play poker," and so uh, often Andy Newman would go, but sometimes I would go as well, and we would uh, kind of crash course. These actors and actresses uh, in poker, and I mean, the result is uh, <laughs> uh, quite a bit of variance in level of play. But I used to always, I would always maintain, even as you know, real poker players would sometimes pillory the show <laughs> online, that in a way. Rather than watching elite level poker players, you were watching the kind of people you might actually face across the table in your home game, uh, or maybe in, even in lower stakes at a casino. And so it was kind of helpful to have Phil Gordon commenting and uh, and to watch less good poker players play.
1: And so I'm I'm curious how you guys did shoot it. So you would shoot how many episodes in a weekend?
2: My memory is that over the course of a three-day weekend, really, uh, we would shoot for three days and we would shoot six episodes, which made up a season of Celebrity Poker Showdown. So we would have five contestants at each of five games. And then it was, you know, a single table sit and go. And then the winner of each of the five would play in the sixth episode for the uh, finale. And then you would uh, win money for your chosen charity, um, uh, depending on the order in which you were eliminated. And my memory is, I think, in the very first season, it came down to uh, -to head-to-head between David Cross and Nicole Sullivan. And uh, David Cross was playing for uh, an orphanage, and Nicole Sullivan was playing for Alley Cats. And although I suppose we were meant to stay partial, I was hoping that the orphans would win 100000 dollars <laughs> yeah. rather. but it was not meant to be. And so somewhere there are alley cats, or at least they have the year of their lives.
1: well, yeah, i uh, I talked to Nicole about that recently, and she said that when she signed up, she didn't realize the top prize was like one hundred grand. And so she <laughs> thought it was just and so wet at the end when she had like a hundred thousand dollars check going to, like, a a cat charity. She was like, oh, I probably could have made a better choice.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, those cats were styling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They went straight from the alley to the penthouse.
1: That's exactly right. Is it true that the Malcolm Jamal Warner episode was only 19 hands total? Hmm, I don't remember,
2: and I'm wondering if that was maybe late, late, late in the game, because uh, the final... I was involved in 42 of 48 episodes, the final season. We made a deal with Bravo, Andrew Newman and I, in which we didn't own the show, and you'll notice it never says, uh, you don't see in the credits, created by Andrew Hill Newman and Joshua Molina. We were just executive producers, and that was uh, because we had no ownership of the show. This is a deal I was not anxious uh, to take at the time, but Andy made the point that uh, my backup job was being on the West Wing, and he had no backup job. So, <laughs> so, which I thought was a salient point. And so, we took the deal, and I said to him, "You know, at some point, it'll be cheaper to make the show without us, and they will." <laughs> and that that moment did happen. So, I'm wondering if um, maybe it was those last six episodes that included Malcolm Jamal Warner. I don't I don't recall. What I do know is that my great fear in making the show the way we made it was that theoretically uh, an episode could be a single hand. Say everybody, it would be miraculous and unlikely, but say somehow everybody found a way to get all their chips in the middle, and it didn't seem entirely impossible with some people not knowing... How to play poker. Um, and I, I guess I made the mistake of sort of vocalizing that fear, like you know, we we we, uh, we wanted it to last a, a good long time. and so usually it would last hours and then we would uh, whittle it down to a uh, uh, you know two highlights and you know the important tans. Um, but we had one episode. I'm trying to find it online here too, because I remember David Cross played Paul Rudd. I'm reading now. Willie Garson, Richard Ship, and Nicole Sullivan. I think it must have been that episode because I remember definitely Paul and David. They started to play, and uh, I was on the set, and I've got my headphones on, and we would always I talk to the truck out back, and we'd all communicate. And a a very significant hand started to develop in the first hand, and uh, next thing I knew, <laughs> somebody uh, shoved, and uh, the next player called. And all the remaining players called. (gasps) And and we're absolutely freaking out. Put a flush Uh, on
1: board. Put a flush on board.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For the love of God, let them chop. (laughs) And uh, no, one player won. And I was just covered in sweat. And you're like, well, this would be an exciting seven-minute show. (laughs) But we have two hours to fill. And uh, when all was said and done, they were pranking me. It turned uh. out. It turned out somebody uh, had shared my greatest fear with one of the players, and they said, "Hey, wouldn't this be funny?" Uh, so that was a huge relief. Although then it became clear there was always somebody from NBC or Bravo who was a the legal person. When you're doing any kind of you know game show where there's yeah. real money changing hands, everything has to be legit. And uh, I remember she came over and said, "No, no, this this has to stand." <laughs> and we were like. <laughs> what are you talking about? They're telling us it's a joke. And and then we had, you know, about a half hour of calls being made to NBC Legal and this woman weighing in. And finally, what they decided was that um, it, they would film each of the participants one at a time admitting that it was a prank and so that there would be video just in case anybody from the audience shared the wow. fact that in reality it ended in one hand and all that and i just remember they kept doing it and david cross kept saying well oh, i thought this was real <laughs> 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 there you go it was such a joke really david that is very funny don't get me wrong very very funny but again we're going to need you to admit that was a joke. And ultimately he did and uh they they played on and we we started from the beginning. But that was a that was a uh, that was hot water for a while.
0: Wow. Um what's your current relationship with poker? I mean obviously you mentioned your daughter Josh and I know from bitter experience that having kids kind of makes it tougher to play poker.
2: Yes. Indeed. I I really, I used to be an, uh, a real enthusiast, an ardent player, and uh, but then I took off, I'd say about a decade. I stopped playing really from about 2008 to, to, you know, six months ago, I would say. Not that I wouldn't play occasionally, I would. I would um, sometimes get invited to charity or celebrity poker tournaments, celebrity in quotes if I'm invited. Um, those are generally uh, just bleak affairs with super fast uh, structures. Uh, you know, they're designed to, like, let's get out of here in two hours. <laughs> so they're, they're very unsatisfying, uh, but I would occasionally play those. Occasionally, I'd go to uh, Hollywood Park or the bicycle casino and play some cards. But for 10 years, I just didn't... I wasn't the guy I used to be who would play several times a week. And then just recently, now that I have one in college... And one soon to leave the house. I've started to play uh, a lot more. I've, I've fallen back in love with the game.
0: So, we could see I, a reboot of Celebrity Poker Showdown or equivalent? Well,
2: I would certainly love to do that. And we have, uh, Andrew Newman and I have uh, pondered how we might bring it back. And, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to revamp it as we did it um, or put a new spin on it. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going we're, we're to try to get that done. I would love to. Um, but uh, you've got people like Jenna who who hosts celebrities playing poker. So you
1: know. Well, we we attempted it. Uh, <laughs> and
2: I, enjoyed, I enjoyed watching
1: and participating. It was very fun. It was a fun show. It was a, that obviously that episode you guys were on was like just next level for me. Uh, thanks again for that, James. Josh is the guy who brought David Wayne, John Hamm, Hoodie Allen to the show. So it was uh, it was one of the best days of my life. Uh, I wanted to. Um, give you some compliments if I could for a second, Josh, you're always very kind to me. Uh, My roommate is currently watching, uh, binging Scandal. And um, she was there the night of the taping, you were there and she's like, I wish I had watched Scandal before that because, oh my God, Josh Molina's eyelashes are just (laughs) the greatest that I've ever seen. And I was prepping for this interview. Yeah, and I was prepping this interview uh, and I was, she was in the, in the living room watching an episode and while i'm prepping and i took notes of the things she was saying and this this is them ooh oh 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 oh, oh wow oh my god oh no oh no Uh-oh. Uh-oh. oh no uh oh uh oh oh no oh no oh my god uh this legitimately i'm not even making this up what the fuck uh holy shit this is not going to end well harrison yeah <gasps> harrison Oh, <gasps> <gasps> uh. Ugh.
0: I have now, to say it, that that 20 seconds has made me want to watch Scandal right now
1: Now that was like a course of 15 minutes I'm but, grabbing a cigarette right now Yeah, she, I mean, <laughs> she, she doesn't know I'm even listening to her, this is like legit reaction from her, so Scandal must be a hell of a show It's, it's quite a show I,
2: it, That kind of reaction, it, that used to concern me early on because I felt that while it, it, the viewers were enjoying it on that level, I felt that Shonda Rhimes was burning so much plot in every episode. I thought the thing was going to run about three weeks because so much happens in every episode. I was like, this episode would have been a season of the West Wing. (laughs) Like, Slow down. (laughs) uh, uh, She she managed to do it for seven seasons uh, continuously.
1: And I love that. That's like my biggest complaint about most TV shows is that they don't burn enough stories. So uh, I might even get myself into scandal. I want to pivot to the West Wing if we can, because Josh, this is James's all-time favorite show.
0: I have, a, oh, I'm I have a, to hear that. I have a confession to make, which is my wife and I have watched this show all seven seasons three times so far, um, and I was thrilled to learn about the podcast you do, Josh, the West Wing Weekly. I am definitely subscribing now, and I love the idea of revisiting this great TV show from the early two thousands.
2: Yeah, I I I hope that you will like the podcast. It's definitely uh, geared first and foremost for people like you who uh, watch the show. Uh, regularly, and we'll rewatch it. And so it's a kind of a deep dive into the series. And it, it, it amazes and delights me to find that there are people this many years after the show uh, ended, which is, I think, about 12 years now, yeah. that are either discovering it anew because it's uh, net, the sweet, sweet, evergreen nature of Netflix is introducing it to people who were maybe not born when it first aired, and uh, because people will go back to it and rewatch the show.
0: Well, I think there's a very good reason why people are going to watch it now because if you think about when this show was on air, it provided liberal idealists with an amazing alternative reality during the Bush era and Christ alive, do we need this now?
2: Oh, I'm with you. I absolutely agree. Um and, and one of the interesting things about the series itself is that you can watch it, yes, as liberal uh a liberal porn fantasy. Or you can also you can also take in the, the I guess the glacial nature of progress in politics uh is on display because you'll watch an episode from 12 or 14 years ago and they'll be discussing uh, the frustration of trying to get anywhere on common sense gun legislation. Yeah. And you go, well, that's that's happening today. I mean, it's sort of, uh, so you get your sort of fantasy fulfillment and there are also moments of frustration where you go wow why is everything being discussed in the series still relevant because so little has happened i was so little progress has been made
0: i was recalling the episode the other day where i think both glenn close and william fichtner are kind of competing for the seat on the supreme court and it's like i would take either of them in a heartbeat over the reality um
2: uh, but i have a yes, I- indeed and, and what you get in that episode, of The Supremes, written by uh, the wonderful Deborah Kahn, is uh, a, a White House and an administration that is comfortable uh, adding balance to the Supreme Court and, and uh, appointing two um, uh, associate justices who will actually uh, have some respectful debate and uh, balance each other's views.
0: Now, there are three West Wing-related questions I wanted to ask you, Josh. The first, I'm sure you've been asked many times. When you were brought in on season four, uh, effectively to replace the Rob Lowe character, was that a bit of a poison chalice?
2: Oh, in other words... uh Was I ambivalent about that? Because who can replace Rob Lowe? And if you've seen me, how could I replace (laughs) Rob Lowe?
0: It was was less about that and more about the character. And also the fact that, you know, Rob Lowe had top billing. Um, It was kind of the show was initially built around him, although it became much more of an ensemble piece as the seasons went on. He then moves on. It's like whoever steps into his shoes has got a really shitty gig.
2: I see. I I did not view it that way then, nor do I now. I think I'm just, as an actor, I'm happy to have a job. So, and I have very, very thick skin, and I don't care too deeply. And if you follow me on social media, you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll know. Yeah, Josh you'll know. is such
1: a good follower.
2: I, I, you'll know I really do mean this. I don't care too deeply what people think of me. So <laughs> no, this was act, actually a job I lobbied for, um, I desperately needed a job at the time. I had, uh, I mentioned Hank Azaria earlier, poker buddy for 15 years. I then uh, co starred or supported a, had a supporting role on his uh, sitcom. It was called Imagine That. And we had a 13 episode pickup. This is around 2001. And. I bought a house. I called it the house that Hank built because thanks to this job my buddy had given me, I could afford a house. And midway through making that series, I was sitting in my house, having just moved in, and I got a phone call saying, uh, don't come to work tomorrow. And I was like, what do you mean? i know like, NBC doesn't love this episode, but uh, don't worry, we're going to work it out. And we never went back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I was in a house that Hank half built. And... Um, So uh, at the moment I started to read about Rob Lowe's considering departing the show, it it was a very good time to hit up and lobby my friend Aaron Sorkin uh, that if there were an opening, I would be delighted to fill it on the show. And uh, to my delight, it actually happened. So I I was very, very happy to become part of that series and not thinking too deeply about whether uh, people would hate me. (laughs) <laughs> as some as some did ultimately sam seaborn was a, a beloved character rob Lowe was terrific in the role he was uh, also um quite lovely to look at and you know then he got mid
1: me. mean, well look- james uh, bought me the entire uh series of the west wing for christmas a couple years ago and i watched all the episodes and i i can honestly say that the episodes you weren't in were slightly duller for me
2: Oh, I, I thought you were going to say slightly better. Hey, the
1: minority. No, of <laughs> just no dude, I think the, I love that character. And like, I don't know, man, like every scene that you're in, like m- many scenes in the show, not just the ones you're in, are like just poetry, man. It's It was fucking great. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I had an
2: absolute ball on the show. Uh, you know, the writing was incredible. Aaron is an old friend of mine. So to have this um, maybe one of the great TV writers of all time, or I would say in fact, one of the great TV writers of all time, creating another character for me, having been on his uh, previous show, Sports Night, uh, was a dream. Uh, There was no downside to it from my point of view.
0: Like Joe, I was a fan of Will Bailey, Josh, but I still don't understand why Toby is such a dick to him.
2: Yeah, Toby is quite... We discussed that on the podcast. Toby is quite the dick. I think... I think, in part, he sees a younger version of himself. And yeah. I, think, I think there's a little bit of uh, resentment. And then also, you know, if we're going to... Spoiler alert for people who haven't watched the show that's been off the air for 12 years. When, <laughs> when Will Bailey decides to go work for uh, Vice President Bingo Bob Russell, um, played by Gary Cole, uh, I think it's just, from Toby's point of view, an unforgivable sellout. And I think in reality, it's a completely understandable decision to find a portfolio that allows him to do more. And I I get Will's decision. But I think Toby's such a sort of Bartlett purist that uh, he could never quite get over the fact that Will made the decision he did.
0: But this feeds into my follow up question, which is to me, it was almost out of character for Will, who was such an idealist, to be so determined to campaign for Bingo Bob, who was a joke of a politician.
2: Well, that is true, and, and and many, you know, I think many of those who hate Will Bailey and Bikes Engine, Josh Molina um, <laughs> feel feel similarly. I, you know, at the time, uh, much as I didn't worry about whether I would be reviled for trying to quote unquote replace. Uh, Rob Lowe. I also didn't worry too much about what people thought of Will Bailey. Um, you know, an actor's job is the, whatever they hand you, you say it out loud and at the right volume <laughs> so that you can be heard and understood in front of a camera. Like I was never the kind of guy to say, wait a minute, will, will, will Bailey do this? He's, he is quite the idealist. And would, so, uh, you know, my job was just to make it work and rewatching it now years later, I haven't pondered any of these, uh, uh issues until uh, i started to co-host a podcast about the west wing yeah
0: um
2: i i do buy it i think you know first of all what we're discovering is another shade of him that he's not entirely uh the idealist and he sees an opportunity and in politics you sometimes have to see an opportunity and then seize it and i also do think and i feel like the writers did a good job uh uh putting this out there he saw that while bingo bob was generally regarded as a joke that there was greater substance to the guy that he was a bit more wily uh than people understood and that he was okay with uh sort of perpetuating a little bit of the aw shucks uh maybe obtuse guy uh because it it would redound to his benefit and he could operate uh, uh more effectively so i think will just saw a little bit more in him than others saw and i think will also just uh, showed himself to be uh, a bit more of a practical uh, career guy than he first appeared to be
0: i have to say this conversation has given me uh, a taster of what i can expect from the west wing weekly i'm very much looking forward to listening to those podcasts
1: right on josh i know i promised you it would be about 30 minutes i have a, a quick celebrity poker showdown trivia game for you can you spare us five more minutes absolutely
2: look at this point either my daughter is up or she's not
1: (laughs) okay fair enough great so i usually come up with a very stupid game this time because i wanted to impress you it's not as stupid as usual uh it's called celebrity poker trivia down and i think you're gonna do uh very well uh, on this quiz Uh, just a little yeah a little trip down memory lane i know for a fact you're gonna get the answer to this first question because you already said it during your interview question number one The winner of the first season of Celebrity Poker Showdown was, of course, Nicole Sullivan. What was the name of her charity? And I did come up with some choices, so if you could just let me read the choices. Please. Was it the Feline Friend Federation, Alley Cat Allies, Spays for Strays, or the Itty Bitty City Kitty Committee?
2: I'm going to go with the Alley Cats
1: one. Alley Cat Allies is correct. One for one. Here we go. Question number two Which of the following former celebrity poker showdown guests have not competed against each other in the same Emmy category in the same year? (sighs) Good. Bobby Cannavale versus Peter Dinklage, Jason Bateman versus Ray Romano, David Cross versus Cheryl Hines, Brad Garrett versus James Woods.
2: Uh, Brad Garrett and James Woods.
1: Brad Garrett and James Woods did compete in the same category.
2: How? Pause.
1: No. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, you are correct. Two for two. Question number three. In season three, you had a nearly all Arrested Development table, save for Peter Fastinelli. Which other Celebrity Poker Showdown contestant was one of his acting teachers? Was it A... Cameron Mannheim, B, Jason Alexander, C, Kathy Najimy, or D, Kathy Griffin?
2: Fascinating. Uh, I'm going to say Cameron Mannheim.
1: Cameron Manheim is correct.
2: Wow. My God, I'm good at this Three. game.
1: Yeah, you are. Question number four. I wish four. there was some way to
2: monetize it.
1: <laughs> well, a reboot would be just fine for all of us. That's right. The Incredibly prolific actor Stephen Root was on your show in 2004. Since then, how many television shows has he not been on? (laughs) One of them, two of them, three of them, or none of them?
2: Hmm. (laughs) I think he's been on every television show. I think he's been on every TV
1: show. All right, real question is, which of these shows has he not appeared on? 24, Justified, Workaholics, South Park.
2: We've got Justified, Workaholic, South Park, and...
1: 24. What, 24 was the first one. And if that's the problem. He can do anything.
2: He'd be great in anything. I'm going to say he hasn't done a voice in South Park.
1: That is correct. Woo! Keep, keeping I'm the streak fire. alive. There. there are seven questions total. Here is question five. Which one of Allison Janney's future co-stars finished 14th in the Cal State Poker Championships in 2016 out of a 9,800-player field, making her quite possibly the longest-lasting woman standing of all time? Was it Nicole Sullivan from Family Guy, Andrea Savage from Beep, Brittany Snow from Hairspray, or Beth Hall from Mom? This is
2: the craziest question I've ever been asked. <laughs> One of these women came in 16th out of 9,800.
1: 14th in the Cal State Poker Championships in 2016.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it was 16th. That's, that's much. All right. That's not such <laughs> a crazy question. That was <laughs> 14th. Uh, Beth Hall.
1: Beth Hall's correct. My God, I'm good. Five for five. <laughs> Two questions to go. Anthony Scott Flippin is the birth name of what former celebrity poker showdown contestant? Is it Anthony Anderson? Scott Wolf, Doug E. Doug, or Scott Stapp?
2: And what's the real name?
1: Anthony Scott
2: Flippin.
0: I'm gonna go
2: with uh, Scott Stapp.
1: Scott Stapp is correct. <laughs> oh my god!
0: He's running the board, people.
1: Six for six. Final question. Here we go. Which of the former, which of the following former celebrity poker showdown guests? Have never been in a Twitter feud with other former Celebrity Poker Showdown guest, James Woods. Oh, great. Is it A, Michael Ian Black, B, Neil Patrick Harris, C, Rosie O'Donnell, D, Amber Tamlin, E, Kathy Griffin, F, David Cross, G, Joy Behar, H, Jordan Peele, confused for Barack Obama, or I, Kevin Sorbo? (laughs) Uh,
2: I guess all the lefties would have gotten into it with James Woods, and I'm going to guess that maybe uh, Kevin Sorbo is right-leaning.
1: Kevin Sorbo is correct. Never in a Twitter (laughs) feud of of those 18 choices. Josh Molina, thanks so much. Congratulations. You went seven for seven. Uh, How can people donate slash subscribe to your podcast?
2: Ah, you're nice to ask. You can go to thewestwingweekly.com and uh, listen for free to our thus far 120 plus episodes, or you can find them wherever finer podcasts are given away. We still have a fundraiser going, and there is a donate button if you are moved to pay for what you could otherwise have for free. Poker in the ears.
0: Well, that was awesome, Joe. Thank you very much for making it happen.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I didn't really have much to do with it. It was mostly Josh, if I'm honest. <laughs>
0: okay, we are almost out of time, but we are first going to try and give away some prizes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stakes. Please welcome to this week's podcast, Mister Paul Cat. Greetings, Paul.
3: Hi there, guys. You talking to me? Ah, nice. Hey.
1: <laughs> we are talking to you. What's up, Pablo? Yeah, very, very good,
3: very well. How are you, are you guys?
1: Good. Are you a are you a taxi driver fan, or did you just want to do the super fan quiz?
3: No, I I've been trying to work my throat way through the IMBD top. Uh, what is it? Top two hundred and fifty. Um, And the ones you mentioned were five of the films I hadn't seen, so I thought I'd kill two birds with one stone. So no, I've not seen it before. I watched it uh, last week.
1: Um, Have you watched the rest of the movies that were suggested? Like, have you been following along with everything?
3: I I missed a couple. I I do watch most of your recommendations. It's quite interesting watching them before you you have the quiz. It's good to play along.
1: And Taxi Driver, what is your ultimate review of that?
3: Uh, Yeah firstly i love the music the uh, the 70s <laughs> porn music was brilliant um but i love the cinematography the the actual you know when he's driving around uh, at night i think that's amazing it really really hits home at what it must have been like to be there in the 1970s
0: i think we can all agree on the cinematography there is a difference of opinion on the music though paul because that's the one thing about the film that joe despised
3: oh no way okay yeah, yeah as, i yeah. think uh, and I'd probably be like 70s porn more than you, then maybe, Joe. <laughs> I think it's
0: more the fact that you've now discovered how at odds with everyone else's critical sensibilities Joe Stapleton's actually are. Um, enough about the movie for the time being, because we've got 10 trivia questions on that still to come. Tell us about yourself, Paul.
3: Okay, so I am uh, an accountant by trade. Um, I work for a few investment banks, but uh, at the moment, I'm currently on a sabbatical. Um, I spend a bit of time with my kids. I train for an Ironman uh, this year, 70.3. Wow! Which was, which was good, um, and uh, yeah, just lots of jobs keeping me busy, but it's probably time, according to my wife, to, to get back to work, so I'll probably do that in the new year.
1: I like that. I'll probably do that 21 days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And
0: uh, are you more of an online poker player or a live poker player?
1: No, I I have played...
3: A long while ago, I played a bit online, but no, I'm very much... Uh, I, I play home poker with my friends. Um, uh, you know, every... You know, a few probably once a month, um, and, and a couple of games live. I played at the Grosvenor and the old, You remember the old Fox Poker? I don't know if you guys have played there. Yeah, you uh, played there lots. Yeah, that was when that was open, that was fun. So I played there a few times, but uh, yeah, not, not real online. I kind of want to get back into it. Now I've got a, my kids are getting a bit older now, so I have a bit more time, so I'd like to, to get, get on and, and play some more online poker.
0: Well, hopefully we can give you an incentive by providing you with an online satellite ticket, but it is dependent on you beating Joe Stapleton at Taxi Driver trivia, and as you may know, Paul, last week Joe secured a rare victory in this quiz. I,
3: I, I did hear that. Did he? Did he hate Taxi Driver? Because that seems to be his key, right? <laughs> ah, well, I believe
0: well, Joe. View? I believe Joe. You gave a solid B plus, so I'm it's figuring that this could be a shellac. Okay, so I should be safe then, right?
1: Uh, uh, James, I think Paul's a trustworthy guy. Since he's an accountant, I think he should be the one to keep score.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can audit my scoring, Paul. There um, you go.
1: <laughs> And I'm sure you
0: know the rules. Two points if you don't need the options. One point if you need the choices. You can go anywhere on the board. One through ten are available to you. So please give me a number, Paul.
3: Okay. Could I just ask, is this a Patrick quiz?
0: It is a Patrick quiz. Oh,
3: good okay. question. I will... Uh... I'll start with number one then please
0: Number one In the iconic scene Where Travis is talking to the mirror How many times does he say the word Talking?
3: Uh, okay thanks Patrick um,
1: <laughs> Yeah, fuck, fuck you Patrick
3: Even yeah, On behalf yeah. of Paul <laughs> uh, um, I won't take the guesses Because you're going to I know roughly So I will say
0: Six Spot on for two points
1: Oh god wow. damn it I'm fucked Did you know that one Joe? No, 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 I didn't but if you get like I was like cool. He got an impossible question. No, no, no. I'm safe. That was a guess. That was a
3: guess.
0: Fuck. Okay, Joe two through ten are available.
1: Two, please.
0: Okay, you've landed a softball. Yes! What war did Travis fight in?
1: The Vietnam War.
0: And it's two all. Oh, I love the fact that the the luck of the draw is such a huge factor in this competition.
1: I love the fact that, like, Patrick is so far removed from wars that it would be even remotely questionable what war that was. (laughs) Uh,
0: Which question would you like next,
3: Paul? Okay, I will go... Now you've explained always coming seven, I will uh, will take seven, please.
0: Okay, who is the first person that Travis kills in the film?
3: Uh, It's the guy in the shop. Um, Correct. up the uh, convenience the store. The guy
0: who tries to rob the convenience store for two points. Joe, what number would you like?
1: Uh, let's go with number three.
0: Number three. What does Travis say he'd like Palantine to do if he became president?
1: Uh, clean up New York City.
0: Correct. For two points, tight game after the second round. Wow. Maximum points scored so far. Four, five, okay. six, eight, nine, or ten? I'll go Number five, please. Number five. <laughs> what is the slogan for Palantine's campaign?
1: was one of two.
3: It's
0: either we
1: He's got to get the inflection right. <laughs> yeah.
3: We are the people or we are the people. I'm still not sure. I think it's we are the people,
0: right? You get the, the, All I needed were the words. I didn't need the inflection. You get two <laughs> points for that. Joe? Uh, number
1: four.
0: What role does Martin Scorsese play in the film?
1: He is a passenger in the back of the cab who says he's going to kill uh, his, his wife. His, uh, That's enough, yes. Passenger. yes.
0: He's going to kill his wife, correct, for two points. Still tied game, still all the points scored so far. Who's going to trip up first, Six, eight, nine, or 10, Paul? Wow. Uh, okay, I'll go uh, 8. Who Three. is the last person we see travel in Travis's taxi?
3: Uh, that is a lady from the uh, campaign,
1: uh,
0: Betsy. Betsy, correct, for two points. Joke. Question six, please. What reason does Travis give for wanting to be a taxi driver? Uh, he can't sleep. Correct, oh. for two points. Oh, <laughs> I got wow, this could come down to the tiebreaker. Uh, nine or ten, Paul?
3: I'll go number nine, please.
0: Oh, you picked the hard one. What was Scorsese and De Niro's next collaboration after Taxi Driver? Multiple choice options are available.
3: Uh, yeah, no, let's say multiple choice, please.
0: Was it Raging Bull, Mean Streets, The King of Comedy or New York, New York?
3: Yeah, I think Raging Bull was the
0: one before I'm... Uh, I really don't know. I'll say Mean Streets. Mean Streets was the one before. Raging Bull uh, was not the next okay. one. New York and New York. Scorsese's okay. tribute to classic musicals was his next collaboration with De Niro. So Joe, I would have
1: missed that one too. I would have, uh, without the choices, I would have said The Mission. With the, <laughs> okay. With the choices, I would have said King of Comedy. Okay,
0: The Mission, not a Scorsese film, but, thanks <laughs> but it for should blame. have
1: been. Uh, it felt very Scorsese.
0: So question ten, Joe. Let's see if you can beat Paul by two points, by one point, or tie the game to take us to the tiebreaker round. When Iris is first seen, she's trying to escape someone and jumps into Travis's taxi. The man pays Travis some money to keep quiet. How much does he pay him?
1: It's a crumpled up $20 bill. It is for
0: two points. And Joe, for the first time ever, you scored maximum points. 10 points were available to you you scored 10 points i'm sorry paul it came down to i guess which question you went with 9 or 10 sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles but 8 points still a respectable score
3: that, that very good job very impressed with the
1: you lives. know i feel like uh, paul i know you didn't hear the beginning of the show you will later on and uh, i got a little bit of trouble from the uh, the be- top brass here for not only not talking about poker enough but for having bad takes on movies <laughs> and i feel like I'm really screwed now because I probably didn't have a good enough take on Taxi Driver and I just denied someone a free ticket for coming back to online poker. So I'm pretty much fucked. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh, You're a bad man. You did well. I'm impressed with your knowledge. That was very, very good.
0: So Joe's career path is kind of doomed. Paul, we are (laughs) going to ship you some PokerStars merch, however, and maybe that will give you a warm, fuzzy feeling. And when you see the red spade, that will inspire you to get back online. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Paul, thank you very much for your time today. Great talking to you. Thanks, guys.
3: Have a good one. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Joe.
1: Well, there goes my joke about us being almost done talking to you. We are almost out of time. Before we go,
0: Joe, a quick shout out. To a former superfan, Christopher Bean, who appeared on the UK quiz show Fifteen to One this week, he won, but all but but one of his podcast references were cut out of the show. Sadly, (laughs)
1: look, I just knew. Like, if you were the one doing the editing, you would have gotten them all out yourself. So, Uh, I, I saw his tweet to us. He said that it was like a Stapes reference, but I, there was no audio on the tweet when I went to listen to it. What did? Could you hear it or did you watch it when I it was on? I
0: recorded the show. I have not yet watched the show, so I will await that moment with glee.
1: Excellent. Nice little Christmas present for me. Getting a, getting a mention on mainstream television. Congrats, Chris Bean. I'm glad you won. Um, Talk you of Christmas. Yes, please. Let's do it. I love this. This is great. Typically here, I would say next week, but there is no next week. No. There is next month. And next year, until then, watch the live streams from the PSPC slash PCA. Uh, look out for my sack. <laughs> I'm going I'm going straight from uh, Family Christmas to Florida to uh, the Bahamas. So I'm going to have a lot of ungrateful Christmas re-gifts. I'll be giving those away during the live stream this year in the Bahamas. I will also be watching It's a Wonderful Life.
0: And that means we will be taking superfan applications. I think some people have already volunteered to do that movie, so they're probably going to be top of the list, but start getting those applications coming in for 2019. Hashtag poker in the
1: Yes, there's some things you can do for us. If you want to give us a Christmas present, I don't push this hard enough the rest of the show. If you want to give us a Christmas present, if you enjoy the show, seriously, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a review on Stitcher. I think SoundCloud has some some kind of like feature and or comment feature. Please, it it really does uh, help us out a lot when we're trying to justify continuing to do this show into the new year and beyond. So, and maybe get someone you know who likes poker to start listening in 2019 if you've got a friend who likes poker and you listen to the show try to get one person to listen to the show i think they will enjoy it we put out a pretty fun show here and keep it light for you guys but that is it that is all the time we've got for 2018
0: merry christmas and a happy new year one and all including you joey
1: Thank you, James. Same to you. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year to everyone. Until 2019, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.
0: Fa la la la, la 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 la.